Welcome to The Feast Life, where we empower you, the modern homeschool mom, to create a life and homeschool you love, one founded on faith, family, freedom, and fun. I'm your host, Julie Ross, creator of the award-winning homeschool curriculum, A Gentle Feast, and a certified Christian life coach. For more information on today's episode and to access my free gift for you, check out thefeastlife.me. Charlotte Mason once said, life should be all living, not a mere tedious passing of time. So on this show, we seek to savor the feast of life. Girl, grab your favorite beverage and pull up a chair. You are welcome at this table. I am so excited to talk to my friend Jenna today about habits. So this episode is airing at the beginning of January. Anyone thought about some new habits that you want to build in your life? Yes, we all do, right? And we all make a list and we're all going to change everything about ourselves and be a completely new person by February, right, Jenna? (laughs) Oftentimes it doesn't really happen or we just make a bunch of resolutions that don't actually have any legs to them because we didn't actually make a plan to them. And I found in my own life how amazingly powerful habits are to make the things that you want to have happen in your life happen. And so I'm so excited to talk to you about that today. We're not just talking about habits with ourselves, but we're talking about what Charlotte Mason said about building habits in our children. So I would love to hear from you. How did you even get interested in this topic to begin with? (laughs) Yes, I have found that Nobody wants to talk about habits. Because they're because, hard. Because I don't want to have to do hard work, Jenna. I just want you to make, wave a magical wand and make my whole life be the way I want it. I mean, come on. I know. Well, and the other thing I think too is habits has a bad stigma that it's drudgery and it's always negative. Is always people saying, I have a bad habit. Right. And they just, they get stuck there. Because yeah. they, they, and they're like, I've always been this way. This is my, I've, I've, I can't see past it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just kind of, that's how every, I feel a lot of people think about it. And that is what I love how Charlotte Mason writes about habit training. Cause she has a completely fresh, different perspective that I had never considered or heard of until I was reading her stuff. And it completely changed my perspective. And I got super excited about it because it changed how I thought. Then it changed what I did. And I very quickly saw it changed how my kids responded to me. Mm-hmm. And that is why I get so excited about it. Cause I saw actual change in a very simple and easy way of how she laid it out. And I just, this is where it came from. <laughs> no, I think I did it's not... fantastic. I think a lot of people are shocked to realize that Charlotte Mason said, education is an atmosphere, a discipline in the life. By discipline, she's talking about habits. One third of the tools you have to educate your children are habits but we never talk about them. And especially if you're not a Charlotte Mason homeschooler, it's what math curriculum are you using or have you bought this new thing? And it's never, well, what are you actually doing in your homes on a regular basis? Because that's what's going to make the education and that's what's going to shape your children. She says, so an act, so a habit, reap a character, right? But it's the things we do consistently that make us who we are. And so it's yes. the same things with our children. And I think a lot of parents, when they read Charlotte Mason's work and they see what she says, education is discipline. Okay. So we have to focus on habits and it becomes very almost legalistic 
and authoritarian, which is not how she was approaching it. Well, let's start with this question. Why do you think she even talks about habits to begin with? Why did she say that that's one third of our tools that we have? Well, I have a quote for you. Hopefully you'll do better than I just did on that quote. Well, I have lots of Charlotte Mason quotes that I use in my habits talk. In the first place, whether you choose or not to take any trouble about the formation of habits, it is habit all the same, which will govern 99 one hundredths of your child's life. We are all mere creatures of habit. And that's a quote from Charlotte Mason. And when I read that and was realized the first time I read that and realizing 99 one hundredths of the things we do are simply habits. I spent some time thinking on that and what all the implications of what that actually means. And I think she put so much focus on habits because God designed us to work in line with habits to make our life easier. So it works within the design of how God made us to be. Uh, and the way, one of the things she talks about, and I don't have this quote down, but um, I'm paraphrasing. She talks about if we were having to make decisions over every small detail every day, life would be exhausting. <laughs> and so she works in line with how God, I love how she always works in line with how God designed us to be. Mm. And he has designed our brain in such a way that when we do something, whether it's an action or something we speak and say, or something we think, whatever it is, And she had talks about moral habits and physical habits, all kinds of different ones. It's all the same process. When you do something over and over and over, you're building new neural pathways in your brain. And they start off, a quote from her, habit begins as a cobweb and ends as a cable. And I love that because it starts off real thin and flimsy. And it's very easy to break in the beginning because it's not strong yet. But the more you do it over and over again, it becomes strong like a cable. And the whole purpose, I think, that she was getting at with habits is the more strong cables you can make in the right direction of how you want things to go in your life. um, It removes the decision of you having to decide, do I want to do this thing or do that thing? And you just put it on the automatic way that God designed your brain to go on to habits and you remove all those obstacles, all those decision fatigue. And, I think I think that's why she made it made it a third of your life because it compiles so much of what we do. And when she talks about this too, another quote from Charlotte Mason, every day, every hour, the parents are either passively or actively forming those habits in their children, upon which more than anything else, future character and conduct depend. And though so our habits end up shaping our very character for us and for our kids. And that was the quote I was thinking of. So it's like, we're either passively allowing bad habits or mm-hmm. we're being intentional about forming the habits that we want in ourselves and in our kids. So this is a lesson for everybody as we're starting the new year for you. And then we're going to apply it to our kids, but I really do. And you could tell me how you, what you think about this. But for me, I had to look in the mirror and acknowledge what bad habits I had mm-hmm. and what habits that I wanted to have that I was just making really dumb excuses for to never start for myself before turning that attention to our kids. And I think it's easier to turn our attention to our children and think of all the habits that they have that we want to fix and we don't like and micromanage and try to control them so that we don't actually have to deal with what we're doing. I don't know. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And Charlotte Mason even talks about while the mother is habit training, she will always be habit training on herself. (laughs) 
And what I, 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 everything she writes, I just love her whole perspective on all of this. But one of the things it did for me was realize um, I was bringing most of the issues to the table and my kids were responding to that. So it was when I changed like my sticker how- right here from Taylor Swift. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And because one of the things she says in, in her volume one, when she's describing how to habit train, which we can get into that later. But one of the biggest things that stood out to me was the mother's careful to not cause friction between herself and the child. And when I read that, I was like, oh, I'm the one causing the friction. I'm coming with whatever expectations I have, but I hadn't communicated them in a way that they were receiving well and all that kind of stuff. And I started realizing I need to change my approach and remove the friction and take the friction out of the habit yeah. training. Yes. And she has taught me, Charlotte Mason has shown me a way through her writings, how you can habit train with your kids to actually remove the friction and make it a more, much more pleasant experience for you and for your kids. And then you get the habit training as you're doing it. And that's why I love it so much. Yeah, that's great. We're definitely going to jump in um, on how to remove that friction. But I think what you say is so key because you mentioned like decision fatigue, right? And that's something that wasn't around that phrase when Charlotte Mason was writing, right? But mm -hmm. we right. all see that in our own lives. And by constantly having to make choices to do something that's not a habit, you're constantly having to draw upon your will to force yourself to do something. And it's hard. And our brain doesn't like that. And so you're constantly battling this will within you. And studies have even shown like when you keep having to use like your willpower over and over and over and over again to do what you ought to do. And it's not a habit. You actually diminish that willpower over time, but you might be able to do it first thing in the morning and will yourself to do it the first five times you try something. But when you keep having to will yourself, it kind of runs it down. And so by eliminating that friction, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're eliminating that struggle to always be relying on your will. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. And then the habit, because you're building neural pathways, literally turns into a habit where you don't have to make the decision and you do it without thinking about it. So like an easy example is making the bed. So all four of my kids make their bed every morning without any prompting from me, but it's not causing them any decision-making. It is literally a habit that we spent the weeks creating. And when the habit is formed, they don't need any reminders. They don't need any, and they're not waking up saying, oh, should I make my bed today? Yeah. I don't really want to, but you know, mom's going to ask me like, they're not, they, yeah. they've, we've eliminated all that friction. We've eliminated all that decision-making. They literally get up without thinking about it, make their bed, it's done. And they go to the rest of their day and that it's just a habit mm -hmm. and, and they don't have to make that decision. Yeah. Kind of like the way, what, say what? I said that happened with me. I mean, gosh, it was probably 20 some years ago now, but I didn't make my bed before. And it was one of those, okay, this is a habit that I want to start doing and modeling for my kids and all that stuff. And any habit we start, I mean, making the bed's an easy one to talk about because anything we start at first is hard. Yeah. We don't, we're not used to it. Our brains don't know what's going on. They like to be comfortable and they're like, you know, this makes really hard and we do have to use that well but you're saying is so true as we keep doing something it makes those new neural pathways i always use the metaphor of clearing a trail in the forest at first it's really hard and you get cut and there's thorns and it's muddy and it's hot but once you clear the path then it makes it easier to keep going down that path and the same things with our brains and so 
I kind of see it like we're building habits that kind of run on autopilot. So we're not having to think about it constantly. If you've ever drove somewhere and you get there and you're like, wait, how did we get here? I was like, you were totally, your brain was totally somewhere else, right? It frees your brain up to do so many other things. So building these habits for our kids in school, allow them to think critically about these ideas, allow them to be creative, allow them to solve problems because their brains are constantly, what's next? What do I do with this? How do I do that? Like it eliminates some of that friction. So let's dive into kind of how we make it frictionless, not just for our kids, but for us. I can think of lots of ways for us, but I'll let you talk about the kids and then I'll share some of my ideas for us grownups. Yeah. Well, I just absolutely love the picture that Charlotte Mason gave us on how to habit train. And so it's in volume one, but there's this itty little little book for yes, on Amazon for like that. for $5. And as Charlotte Mason mom put this together, all the writings in here are from Charlotte Mason's volumes. The, the mother who put this together went through the volumes that Charlotte Mason wrote and she dog-eared all the pages on habits. And she got tired of flipping through all the different volumes. She took all of it and put, so this is all Charlotte Mason's writings in here on habits. And so as I think of as like little cliff notes, yeah. <laughs> it's just all in, it's only yeah. like, 77 pages. Yeah, you don't want to have to dive through all of those. Yeah, if so you're not you watching on YouTube, I'm pointing to my giant stack of Charlotte Mason's volumes. Yes. And so she goes, this is how I actually first got into her habits was I read this book first and I just saw all that she wrote about habits in one spot. And while it was overwhelming the first time I read it, because it was a lot of information, yeah. the way she paints the picture is so inspiring and encouraging and um, just such a fresh perspective that I reread it a second time with like, okay, let's slow down and walk through this slowly. And so that, that was helpful, but yeah, she always talks about it's one habit at a time. So we don't need to get bogged down with this list of everything has to change overnight because it won't. Um, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, it just won't. And it doesn't need to, because that's too much for us to handle for us or our kids. It's just one habit. And that's just always one habit. Just pick whatever's frustrating you the most or frustrating your kid. And just what she's helped me see is when you look at that, what are we getting frustrated about? Well, look at what's that thing that's causing the frustration. That's a bad habit that was allowed to be formed. But now that you recognize it, we can replace it with the opposite and good habit. And that's why it's so encouraging because all of it's replaceable. We -hmm. just have to recognize what is the one that's frustrating us? Well, let's replace it with the opposite. And so it could be as simple as, if you're always late because your kid can't find his shoes and so this is a frustration we can't get out the door well your child is simply in the habit of taking their shoes off without thinking about it versus okay remove the friction just you know have your kid in this spot you're always going to put your shoes in this spot the moment you come in and when you're in the house your shoes should always be here so when it's time to leave you always know where to get it we can go out the door and it removes all the friction and frustration around that whole process and so that's just a little example, but her example that I absolutely love is in this book's in volume one, but on, in this book's on page 26 and it's the stages and the formation of a habit. And yeah, I love it. And she goes through and she talks about the example in her time was in the 1800s. They didn't have central heating, of course. So they had to close the door to keep the heat in the room because they had fireplaces in the room. That's how they heated it. And so in this example, in the 1800s, she was training her son, Johnny, to shut the door every time he comes in the room and then open it again to go out and then shut the door when he leaves. Well, and we Johnny's- that in the South. I mean, I don't have anything, <laughs> but there's mosquitoes. So shut the door. 
So it's still, it's still, you can still apply it. So she's going through it and she's walking through how she's doing this. What I pulled away from it at the end were the kind of these key points was the first one is the mother was pleasant. And when that dawned on me, she's pleasant during this whole process. Yes. It was a pleasant mother that the child was working with. And so that right there was a game changer for me of, am I being pleasant with my children? <laughs> And I think that's such a good point because when we think about habits, it's usually something that annoys us, right? Yeah. Like you're not getting out the car on time. You're not shutting the door. So it's something that annoys us already. So we're already approaching our children from a place of annoyance yep. and feeling the need to fix it right now. Yeah. And not realizing that habits don't actually form in 30 seconds. Exactly. <laughs> Takes four to six weeks or she even writes sometimes six to eight weeks. Either way, just have a long couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> a couple weeks, you're going to focus on it because it takes time for those neural pathways to be made. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's, this is not overnight. You're just going to take a month or two and focus on that one habit at a time. But while doing so, trying to be the pleasant mother. Yeah. And I, I love that. And then the other thing that she, that we pull from her, this, this part of her book is that the mother doesn't nag. She doesn't nag what? with the child. That's not effective. And Come on. I really thought I that was a strategy to get my kids to do what I want them to do. I know. And then she says, instead, whenever you find yourself with this list of do this, don't do that, you mm -hmm. replace that with the habit. And all those do's and don'ts are just habits waiting to be formed. And I just, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Cause there's all just ready for us to work at it, but in a pleasant way. And so I just love, that's why I love it so much. The way she comes about it is not the nagging mother. And which is, again, I have to, this is what I had to change. This is how I, what I had to see in myself. Okay. I'm bringing, I'm bringing the problem here. Mm -hmm. And then she goes into the mother's careful to not let the child skip the habit while he's working on it. So in her example of the, of shutting the door, She's talking about in the beginning, so how so she approaches him first and in a pleasant, pleasant tone, she tells him, she explains to him, Johnny, I want you to shut the door every time you come in the room and when you go out and then he questions, but why mother? <laughs> and she's like, because Johnny, it's not polite to the people in the room to make them uncomfortable. And he's like, but if I forget, and she responds with, I will try to remind you. And then she goes, do you think you can remember? And I love it because... He goes, I'll try mother. And she goes, very well. I shall watch to see how few forgets you make. And I was like, just the way she, I just love that. Well, I want to talk that way, but of yeah, course, I don't you talk know. that way. No, I don't either. <laughs> but I love the idea that we could. And yeah. so just her picture of how she paints this, how she's describing this to her child, not in the moment. So she's addressing this before yes, it's happening. That's so key. Yes. She's right. not, not addressing you're frustrated it. And you're 10 minutes late. And now we're going to yes. work on the habit of putting your shoes. Like, yeah, that, that's not the time. Yeah. Cause that's making it negative for your kid too. It's like now, oh, now it's like a punishment. And she, and she talks about, she gives gentle reminders, not punishments. And she's addressing it again before it's an issue. So when you're seeing this happen, you're like, oh, we're going to have a conversation later when I'm not feeling upset and when I'm calm and pleasant and I'll just explain to my child, we're going to work on a new habit. And this is why, because this thing's been happening and we want it to be more pleasant for the people or whatever it is. And then the, the part I mentioned it earlier too, but I just love this part. She talks about the mother will be careful to never let the habit cause friction between herself and the child. 
And so those are the key takeaways I take on how she just paints, how to, how to have it trained with our kids, was just this, I just love that picture of it. Because she, she goes through from start to beginning, the whole example with shutting the door. And she ends it with, and by after say 20 shuttings of the door with never an omission, the habit begins to be formed. Johnny shuts the door as a matter of course, and his mother watches him with delight. <laughs> Come into the room, shut the door, take something off the table and go out again, shutting the door. She just made it in such a delightful way. And so it, that's what changed my perspective on habits where before it was just drudgery and I, you don't want to touch it. It was so negative, but she just brought this whole new way of a pleasant way that makes it more pleasant for them and more pleasant for us. And then as we started doing this, they were just responding because I was changing how I was approaching it with them. They responded much differently to me because I wasn't nagging them. And I do want to say as encouragement, I did not grow up this way. And this was not on my radar by any means. Um, and I didn't even start this at the beginning. We were already into homeschooling our kids and I didn't even discover Charlotte Mason until my oldest was in second grade. And we have four kids. And so when I went to my, when I was learning about habit training and realizing this is something I should probably be doing with my kids. And I had no idea how to do it. I had a, <laughs> I talked with a friend who, you know, we bounced ideas off each other. And when I went to my son, when he was eight and say, okay, we're gonna start a new habit. And the very first one we did was making the bed. And I told him, and I'm gonna start making my bed too. Cause I was in my mid thirties at the time and I had never in my life consistently made my bed. Cause I'd never made it a habit. That's how I and was. so, yeah. And so it was never anything I thought about. And it certainly was not a decision I was gonna waste time on in the morning when I was getting out right. like, should I make my bed? So I just <laughs> didn't until I started reading about this. And anyhow, so the whole point, it doesn't matter how old your kids are and it doesn't matter how old you are because it's just changing your mindset and realizing, oh, this is something we can do and we can do it together. And it doesn't have to be a drag. We can do it in a more pleasant way. And that's what I love about it. And so I've been yeah. literally habit training with my kids at the same time. Like I wasn't, I started with them. So we started roughly five-ish years ago and it was completely new to me. And I wanted to change all my bad habits overnight. And of course that doesn't happen. We just one at a time, but I Anyhow, think that's a great point, especially like at the beginning of the year too, to go, okay, what's one habit I want to change for myself. It might be something that you're, you're doing now that you want to stop doing. And then, or it could just be like, you said, like making your bed, like a habit that you need to start doing. And I think it's so important to be doing it at the same time as your kids. It might not be the same habit. So it might not be that you both are going to be working on making your bed. Okay. You might be working on making sure the kitchen is cleaned up before you go to bed at night. So you wake up to a nice clean kitchen. That's a habit you want to start. So you don't ever go to bed without with stuff in the sink or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then your kids, you're teaching them maybe the habit of putting their school books back on the cart when they're finished with a book, as opposed to leaving it on the couch or wherever yeah. they want to leave it around the house. Okay. To have a discussion of, we are working on this together, I think is so, so key. And I've seen that with my own kids too, because it's like, like high school musical, we're all in this together, right? <laughs> I'm not a dictator trying to change you, make you do something. We're all bettering ourselves. Yeah. And I think it gives you so much more empathy for your kids because you realize there's going to be one night, like on day seven, where you're really tired and you had to get up early and you don't want to clean the kitchen before you go to bed and having to will yourself to do it 
and seeing how hard it is for you as a grown-up, let alone somebody who has like an eight-year-old brain trying to will themselves, oh, I can just leave that book there. I don't really have to put it back on the cart. Like it, it's just so eye-opening for you to step into your kid's shoes for this process. Yes, yeah, for sure. I really love that you did that. And okay, so we have to get real practical here because all I'm thinking is with the no nagging thing. Okay, so let's say <laughs> for this example, like I was saying, it's day seven and your child left their book on the couch and they went off to go do whatever and the books wasn't put back on the cart. What do you do? So Charlotte Mason talks about this as well. And she says the mother will have to come up with various devices to remind them. And so what I love about that is there's not one way to do it. Yes. There's a various, whatever, and whatever works for you and your kid will be different for somebody else. So there's not this, on the one hand, there's no set formula, but it gives you the freedom to be as creative mm -hmm. as you want with your gentle reminders of what, what that could take. And so the example she gives in the in that book is when he, he, he has forgotten and she calls, cause she watches him go with forgetting to shut the door. And so she calls him back, but it says, she does not say, Johnny, come back and shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, she was British and lived in England. So yeah. she didn't say it that way. She would have yeah. had a lovely British accent, but <laughs> I can't do that. And so that's how in my mind, when I read it, that's how I hear it in my head. And so she gives the example of how we don't want to do that. But instead right. she calls it and she says, she calls pleasantly Johnny. And it says he's stirred by curiosity. So he comes back. What does mother want? And then she says, she looks up, glances at the door and says, I said, I should try to remind you. And then he responds with, oh, I forgot. And put upon his honor, he shuts the door. And so she, again, she's just painting this beautiful picture of a gentle reminder when they forget. So you can tell your child, hey, the habit we're going to work on is putting your books away. And when you forget, because you will, I'm going to do my best. I don't want to nag you. I'm just going to try to give you a reminder. And you can tell him, hey, Johnny. Your books are on the couch, you know, what can you remember where they go and and just try to different ways you can do it. So I've done it with different I've done some ways like that, just saying their name and looking at it and drawing their attention. Oh, my books are here. I've even done one example we did that was a really silly way, and you may or may not even need to do this, but one habit we did with our kids was having them sit at the kitchen table while we were eating. Because then when they were little, they were getting up and causing a lot of chaos. And it was just making a lot of noise and distracting. And so again, my kids were little at the time and we did this and they thought it was silly, but just to show that you can do silly things to help with, remind them too. And so I told my kids, okay, we talked about, we're gonna have a habit. You're gonna sit in your chair and I want you to wait until we're done eating and then ask, may I be excused please? And I'll say yes, but wait for me to give that answer because I want us to focus on a more meaningful conversation at dinner and not be so, you know, oh, where'd the kids go? They're all gone yeah. in the middle of conversation. And so what I did was I used, pretend just my hand pretend super glue and i would super glue them to the chair and say you're stuck you can't get up now yeah. and they were so little they just thought oh we got glued to our chair again yeah. <laughs> and you know but it was just fun and th there was no friction and it was just i would just, so the point being you can be as creative as you want with your various devices to remind them <laughs> but not putting any stress on yourself don't overcomplicate it just little things to help remind you and your kid there's no right or wrong way to do that just yeah. what will help you remind them and help them do it without causing friction. Yeah, I think that's the key is the, 
the not causing friction part. And for me, I love humor. I mean, I, it diffuses the tension. And yeah. even the other day with my 13 year old son, it was like, I think your shoes, they might have some issues because somehow they walked back into the living room. I know you put them away, but they've walked back here. Like we should really chain up those shoes. And he's like, oh, so funny. Yeah, I'll put his shoes away. But like, I, that eliminates the friction, humor. Even teenagers, yeah. little kids, super glue. I love that. But even like my 22 year old that's now living back after she graduated from college. I'm like, dude, are we starting like a cup collection next to your bed? Do you want me to buy you some cups for Christmas so we could just add to this collection you have going on over here? And she's like, oh, so funny. I'll go put away. It just eliminates. Yeah. Don't do this because I said talent. And really when you nag, I always feel like I'm making it my problem now. It's no longer mm. their problem. It's my That's problem. That's a good point. That I'm upset about xyz right and it's not their problem we want to see this as their responsibility right the yeah. other thing too that can be a bad habit for moms because i know i'm speaking from my experience here is breaking the progress you have made in a habit by doing it for your children yeah i don't know if you ever struggled with it but then there's a part of money that's like it would just be easier if i pick up the book and go put it on the cart it'll take 30 seconds Mm -hmm. but I've had to reframe that in my brain of, no, I'm actually hindering my child by picking up the yeah. book. Today's episode is brought to you by the confident homeschool mom. Are you tired of just trying to survive to the end of the day, overwhelmed, juggling the demands of homeschooling and family life? Want to create a life and homeschool you actually love? Let me show you how. The Confident Homeschool Mom is a unique program that combines homeschooling wisdom and life coaching tools to help you break free from the negative patterns that are keeping you stuck. Currently, the doors to the Confident Homeschool Mom are now open. So if you are listening to this episode before February 4th, 2004, make sure you head on over and check it out. Go to thefeastlife.me forward slash join to check out the Confident Homeschool Mom course. I hope to see you inside. Yep. So one of my really good friends back in Texas where we used to live, who at the time, she was the one that kind of introduced me to Charlotte Mason and taught me all this in the beginning, all the wonderful things. And one thing that she said, even back then that always, I would always hear it in my head. She'd always say, if your child is capable of doing it, don't do it for them. Let them do it themselves. Yeah. And which is, like you said, it's so hard to do because it's quicker and yeah. easier to do it yourself and it's slower and messier for them to do whatever it is but she'd always say let them do it whether it's a new chore or a habit or whatever it is have them do it and and don't give in to that temptation to just quicker do it yourself and so that's the phrase i hear in my head over and over again when I, the temptation is real of like yeah. i'm just gonna yeah. go go get it this yeah. one time but then you're building those neural pathways and your child's not yep <laughs> And then I will notice all the things that are out of place. And so yeah. <laughs> yep. And then <laughs> you're still causing friction. In, yeah. And you're causing friction in your own head because then you're going to be getting more frustrated. Oh, they're still not doing it. Like, no, no, yeah. they just need a gentle reminder. And that's a really good point too. Cause I think we can build up this whole story of why they left the book on the couch or why they didn't shut the door. They don't ever listen to me. They don't respect me. I'm staying home and I'm homeschooling them and I'm not doing all this work for them. And they don't have the courtesy to pick up the book. We can make it way bigger than just a, oh yeah, your book. It's yep. so simple, it, but we yep. like to really overcomplicate this. Yep. And they probably just simply forgot because they still, 
their habit at that stage is still like a cobweb. It's very mm -hmm. flimsy. They just yeah. have to strengthen it. They just have to do it over and over and over to strengthen it. And yeah. so even though you're so, it it's personally. so true though, it's not personally. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing with, I think with us and it's so key is removing that friction because, and I say this to people all the time when I'm coaching them, like you're trying to work on new habits for yourself. You need to make it as pleasant and easy as possible because our brains will resist anything that we perceive as challenging. And so do you want to start going to the gym in the morning? I literally would put my gym clothes and my gym shoes next to my bed. So when I woke up, I would trip over them. And it was like, oh, yes, I must go to the gym now. Okay. <laughs> you want to make it automatic so they don't have to think about it all the time. Like the making the bed, you don't think about it every morning. You just do it. And so how can we make this easy, but also pleasant? So if you're trying to build a habit of putting your shoes in a certain location, do you actually have a location? to put them. <laughs> do you actually spend the time when you're coming in the house? Everybody is doing it or do you all run off and do a million things? Do you actually have a place for them to put their books? That's the same every day. Like we have to do our part to make this as easy for them as possible because they can't think five steps ahead like we can with, mm -hmm. but even grownups, like we still, some of us don't, it doesn't occur to us that we should put the gym clothes next to it. And we just resist every day going to the gym at the beginning of the year. Yes, all of it. We want it as simple as possible. And that's yes to all of that. Yeah. Every, all of it should be as simple as possible and not overcomplicate it. Right, right. And I feel like the more that we nag, the more upset that we get, the more our children dig their heels in and they don't want to do it. And the more friction we're actually like creating because we're creating more and more resistance within them by our emotions by the stories that we're telling ourselves about the situation, about our thoughts and feelings about it. And we're building this resistance in them. And it's the same thing with us, right? The mm -hmm. I've been going to the gym every day. And then on day six, I forget to set my alarm and I don't wake up. I can never keep any habits. I, I don't even know why I bother. Like I shouldn't, I just sort of just totally give up on this going to the gym thing because I never am consistent. And we can tell ourselves all of these stories rather than just going, oh yeah, I forgot to set my alarm. I'll make sure I go tomorrow. It's that yep. simple. <laughs> it, no, it is. And you just go right back. If you, you just go right back. Go right back. And just right. Go because right back to it. Those neural pathways. The easiest way to destroy them is when you're on day six and it's still that cobweb. And then you just give up. But then it yeah. just floats away in the air, right? But if you're like, okay, it's not necessarily that you have to do something every day for 21 days to actually make it a hat, which they say is too short anyway. It should be like 60 days. It's... When you don't do it, do you get back up and you keep doing it? Yeah. That's what will actually reinforce the habit. Not necessarily if you if you miss a day or you skip one time, it's gonna just we're back to zero. No. <laughs> yeah, you just right there. back where you left off. Right. And I think we have to see oh, that, that loop, that too. loop cycle that you always talk about. That you just the yeah. loop cycle, you just go back to where where'd you leave off? Just pick up another day. And yes. yeah, yeah, for sure. Or do you have ways to encourage? moms on this path of habit training to not give up? It's a great question. Uh, I would say to, well, to not give up, to know that there's so much grace and we mm -hmm. need to rest in the grace. So God has designed our brains to work with habits and just take it to him, go before him. He will help us. <laughs> 
He designed our brains to do this and allow, we just need more grace for ourselves as moms. And so I would say, just be encouraged that no one is asking you to be perfect and your kids aren't going to be perfect. And that's not ever the goal is never perfection, but the goal is deeper relationships better relationships with our kids with less friction and remove the friction allows us to have better relationships and um and to just grace i would say uh, more grace to yourself and when you mess up it's okay it's okay yeah (laughs) there's always grace and there's always hope and there's always there's always the next time Mm -hmm. and we can do it differently and if you find yourself nagging at your kid that's okay just try to try to recognize oh i'm gonna try to remember to not do that next time yep and you're you're building that habit if you have been nagging you're gonna have to break that habit and replace it with a different habit so Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's another habit you're gonna be working on right yeah your brain will naturally want to do what you've been doing and so it's gonna want to nag, and you have to start to catch yourself and realize oh wait that is what i'm doing i'm not doing that anymore and i love that charlotte mason quote and i've used it in the talk that you came to where she's talking about putting that no road sign up and yes and it's like the train's always been going down that track you have to put up the no road sign go no we're going down a different path and i think about that like multiple times a day when i just want to do what i've always done is going nope we're not going down that road anymore nope i'm not gonna nag no i'm not gonna pick that up for them we're doing something different and having the ability to remind yourself of that is huge like you said but god made our brains neuroplastics we don't have to stay the same (laughs) hallelujah Yeah. And we can change. And the thing I love about habits so much, and I've seen in my own life, and why I think Charlotte Mason made it such a big deal with her children, is once you get one habit going and you're consistent with that, you don't have to think about making your bed anymore because it's already going on autopilot. Well, now you can add in something else. And in the book Atomic Habits, James Clear calls it compounding habits, kind of like a snowball. When it starts out small and starts rolling, it gets more momentum and it gets more and more and more snow. As you start build one good habit, then you have confidence that you can actually do something that you committed to, right? Mm-hmm. And it builds confidence in your kids when they start, oh, I, I don't need you to remind me anymore to close the door. I do that myself. It builds um, self-awareness and autonomy in them. Well, then they start looking for other ways to improve themselves and other ways for you to improve yourself. It's like this compounding habit. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah. Well, and Charlotte Mason even talks about the mother will over time develop the habit of habit training her own kids. And it says with astonishment, she'll be astonished at how that quickly the kids pick up the new habit and and how the the mother will be astonished. They did that so quickly. And the first one won't be quick. That's okay. (laughs) <laughs> Take your time, lower your expectations yep. Yep. and give yourself a long cast of vision of a couple months. For a couple months, we're going to work on this one habit and just and let everything else go. Focus on that. And now that you let everything else go, but I mean, your attention is going on this one habit. You don't do all these habits at once. You yes. do one habit at a time. And then you get to the other ones later and it's okay. Focus on this. And then at the end of four to six weeks or six to eight weeks, and if it takes longer, there's nobody keeping track. If it takes you three months, mm-hmm. like who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. You just keep going. And then at some point the habit will form both for you and for your kid. And then you just work on, well, what's the next habit that's been causing frustration that we can work on and just work on that one. And just yeah. slowly over time, 
work on it. And one thing that I've thought about is working on a habit for you or for your kid, just one at a time. And at the end of a year, if you've worked on like maybe five or six habits and you've yep. both been doing it, you and your kid, that will actually change the family dynamic of what your house looks like. That's what's where the motivation comes in. You're like, I've actually seen real change and it wasn't as hard as I thought. And it was pretty simple and we've removed as much friction as possible. And then we're a little bit more pleasant. Mm, and yes, so that's yes. what's been motivating. That's why I've just, that's why I've loved all of this because I've seen such positive changes and it's changed our family dynamic. Yes. Again, yeah. not perfection. We're not talking perfection. We're talking, we're a little bit more pleasant yes. than we were. And we're still working on becoming more pleasant. Like mm -hmm. you, know, you don't stop. It's just a spectrum. Right. <laughs> right, right. No, I love that. I think it's so key. And I think that that's motivating when you see positive results. And I think it really relates to a lot of what Charlotte Mason says actually about the concept of like these little grains of sand, like these living ideas compounding over time. Same thing with habits, like you're saying. And so at first it's very hard and, but you need to have this long-term perspective of, okay, if I actually do change four things about my life at the end of this year, I will be a very different person. My children will be very different people. Like you're saying, your family dynamic will be very different. The atmosphere, the other important tool we have will be greatly affected by these habits, but that's in one year. And then you have two years and three years. And so by the time your kids are leaving your home, like that has totally shaped their character and their destiny and the kind of people they are. Yes, I love it. And you love it. And it's blessing them. That's the other thing with the habits too. It blesses your home in the moment because- we've worked on habit training of having our kids help with chores and being really helpful around the house when before I just was not doing that. And I learned about it and I started implementing Charlotte Mason's way and I saw the difference. So we've been doing that. And not only does it bless us now, because like I'm not the one doing all the work, they are super helpful and are helping me. But this, like the long-term vision, this is blessing them as one day they will leave the house and they're all these habits will help them and shape their character as an adult. And so they can be enter into adulthood a little bit more pleasant than maybe had we not focused and they'll have all these other habits already in place mm -hmm. and which will bless their future roommates their future spouses yeah. you know what i mean like all these things will have a domino children. effect yes. right because it's their like habits do end up shaping your very character and i that's a, just a vision for us to keep in mind of there's a purpose behind doing this and mm -hmm. it is worth the work that we put in, especially up front, the payoff will be greater than what we could be thinking about in the moment. So there's a longer vision. Yeah, I love that. I love what you said too about telling your child the why behind the habit. I believe Charlotte Mason talks about the importance of having a captivating idea with everything, mm. right? <laughs> Any subject, yeah. anything, right? Same thing with habits. When I coach adults, I say how important it is them for them to have a compelling why of why why do you want to get up and go to the gym at five o'clock if, if you're just like i i'm supposed to do it or i had to pick a new year's resolution that's not a really good reason and that's not going to sustain you right if it's yeah. i want to be healthy enough that i can play with my children and i don't get exhausted i want to be healthy enough that like someday i want to have grandkids i want to take care of and be a good steward of the physical body that god has given like whatever the reason is for you but think of the reason otherwise on the day when you don't want to get up and it's dark outside and it's cold and your bed is really nice and soft. Like there has to be something. So yeah. I think it's so key for us as adults to think through 
the why of our habits, but to also explain that to our kids. And I love that you mentioned that as well. So I wanted to highlight that um, before we move on here. So some of the habits that we've talked about so far, like practical habits, right? Making your bed, your shoes, your school books, things like that. Sean Mason also talks about some more nebulous habits that I like to dive into if you feel up to it. Yeah. <laughs> the two ones that she talks about the most are the habits of attention and obedience. So let's start with attention. What are your thoughts on building the habit of attention or what Charlotte Mason had to say about attention? Oh, yeah. So one of the ways that we've worked on it, she talks about it with the reading is always reading a story one time. And because if you read something more than once, your child will learn the habit that I can tune out mom the first time <laughs> because she's going to come back the second time. And I, so I can daydream till she's ready. And so with the habit of attention is... Uh, one of the easiest ways we've all worked on is just with it, it, which happens in schoolwork is just reading everything one time. And so they have to train themselves to pay attention the first time. And when, if they miss it, which they will, and they can't narrate back, you can just respond nagging them like, oh, we're, we're gonna have to move on next time. I want you to try to pay attention up front because I'll only read it one time. And they, that's the natural consequence. They just miss it. They don't get to go back to it. So that's one way that she writes about it that we've done as well is just the natural consequence of when you're reading something, just reading it once and not rereading it. Yeah. And I think like everything you were saying about the process of building a habit, right, is you have the compelling why you're going to be giving them gentle reminders. You're not nagging them. And then you're being consistent. And I think that's where we can kind of fall off the wayside in our duty as a homeschool parent is being consistent with the things that we're expecting them to pay attention to mm-hmm. and building that habit. And I don't think that's one you ever stop building. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm still yep. working on it. <laughs> uh, we're working on all of our habits all the time. I mean, you don't see yeah, like we're saying with pick one, but it's like that one just kind of, we're always yeah. improving, improving, I guess. Yeah, you Start can improve the habit, it but It's always growing and um, <laughs> changing as kids grow and they grow up and you know their their ability to pay attention changes greatly oh here's another this is not charlotte mason related this is just something i've been reading as well regarding attention though that's applicable to our time period that wasn't an issue in the 1800s when she was even writing was uh, i do a lot of reading on technology and how it affects kids and we are actually again it has to go with habits though if you are reading always on your phone sound bites of like the news and you just quick mm-hmm. little blips and headlines and yeah there are studies that have now come out you are strengthening your ability to read to digest lots of information quickly but not long form mm-hmm. versus a person who takes the time to read a novel or a book or a physical actual book in long form that's a different part of your brain that's working and people can do both like we People can read quick headlines and we can read longer books, but the one that you spend most of your time doing will be the one that you strengthen and your attention span will actually reflect the one that you do the most. And so, because more people are going to their phone and doing more headlines, they are actually losing the ability to, there are actually some people who have lost the ability to sit and read an actual book because they have strengthened, they've strengthened their attention on headlines, either just scrolling. The quick dopamine hits, yeah. Yes, they're very quick at that. And Mm -hmm. their attention is there. um, It's harder to switch back. 
Um, and they have to, and it, again, you can always replace every bad habit with the opposite and a good habit. So if, if you are in that situation, you can replace it, but you'll have to be intentional to go back to an actual long book to grow your attention, to get through a book, but also knowing where a kid is, if a kid is, has strengthened their attention on short on devices and strengthen that to have lots of grace to help them switch mm. back and um, making sure they have the opportunity to have actual books and longer books to read to strengthen yeah. that muscle. But, yeah. um, but I, I know that was obviously not something she would have even written about because that was not at all in her time, her lifetime. Well, it's a huge <laughs> issue. It's a huge issue in today's world. I mean, adult oh, yeah. spans are a few seconds long now because of yep. technology. Like you're saying, we've created neural pathways that make it harder to actually pay attention. So our brains are working against us in a way yeah. and yeah. in this habit of attention and how important it is. And I, I think, like you're saying, I think the natural rhythms of a Charlotte Mason education, some of the things she's saying about not reading something twice, about having short lessons, about setting timers, about taking a break. So your brains, you're using different parts of your brain throughout the day, being out in nature and observing something, you're paying attention to it, looking at a piece of art for picture study, you're paying I feel like it's not necessarily like you have to pick. We're going to focus on the habit of attention for the next 60 days. Like every, if you're following Charlotte Mason's practices, you're naturally building the habit of attention. Yeah. <laughs> Through that. So it's not, even though she talks about it a lot, I feel like people kind of pick that out as like a, we must focus on this habit and not some of the other ones where it's like, this is going to grow and come with all the other things that you're already doing as part of her philosophy. I don't know, but that's fascinating about the, yeah. the technology thing. And then the other one people always ask me about is the habit of obedience. Oh, yes. And I don't and I often this... hear that it, it's, it comes, when I hear it, like I naturally like tense up, right? It's like, a, you need to do it now and you need to do it now because I said so. And you need to do it with a happy heart because God wants us to be happy and cheerful about everything that we don't want to do. And it creates all this pressure and this kind of can come out authoritarian mm -hmm. rather than working with your child, which is kind of what you were saying in that other example of habit. So it's like, we have to take that teaching and bring it to this habit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a quote. <laughs> okay. I love, I love all of her quotes. I love this quote too. This is on the habit of obedience, but again, I love how she writes all, all of her writings are so encouraging. She says, it is enough to say, do this in a quiet authoritative tone and expect it to be done. The mother often loses her hold over her children because they detect in the tone of her voice that she does not expect them to obey her. She does not think enough of her position. The mother's great stronghold is in the habit of obedience. But she ends it with, the mother's greatest stronghold is to have the child daily repeating the act of obedience in all different ways. But I love how she just painted that picture of it's enough to say, do this mm -hmm. <laughs> and expect it to be done. I liked that part. And then I like how she was saying the mother doesn't think enough of her position. And then she goes on another part. She talks about where our authority comes from and that our authority is from God and that we have authority to ex expect our children to obey us because God has given us that authority, not because we've done something of our own merit, but because 
That is a command God has given the child to obey us through Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right because God has called the child to obey us because that is preparing them to one day transfer their authority from us to God when they leave the home and they get to practice with us how to obey so they can one day obey God on their own. And I just love how she describes all that. And so we have the authority because God's given us that authority for them to obey us. And it's okay for us to expect them to obey us because God has said so. Not because I've just told, do this because I said so. It's like, no, well, God's asked you to. And she also talks about the mother with obedience is careful to not give command heaped upon command and just barking orders all day. And that, so she gives less commands but when she gives them, she is expecting them. Oh, it says when she gives a command, she will see it through to the end. Yes, that's the key. I realized when I was reading her writings on the habit of obedience that I had trained my kids actually in the habit of disobedience by constantly telling them to do stuff and then never following through if they didn't do it. I was like the mom barking or just not say barking, but just saying, do that, do that. Da, da, da. Did mm-hmm. you finish that work? How can we do that work? Blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't actually checking to see if they actually did the thing I asked them to do. And yeah. so I was training them. Well, I don't really have to listen to this lady. Yeah. I've, so I've done the same that thing. That was so key of be careful before you give a command. Are you really yep. going to follow through with this? <laughs> do you really expect it to be done? If so, then give the command. But if not, maybe just save it for later. Oh, I know. That's why, that's why I love all of her stuff because I read all of it. And I'm like, well, I've been doing this wrong the whole time, (laughs) (laughs) but, but she gives me a new framework to think through. That's what I love about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Well, this has been such a delightful conversation. I could talk about this forever because again, I've seen so much the power of habits in my own life and in the people that I coach. And then also in habit training my kids, it is really like the most powerful and effective tool for any change you want to make in your life. And I just love the fact that Charlotte Mason even had the forthwith to even talk about this. And to the extent that she did is really remarkable. And it shows the incredible depth of understanding she had of just people in general. But do you have any closing thoughts or remarks for us as we work on habit training? Okay. My quote that I love from Charlotte Mason that she says that is applicable for just any day that you need it. For the days that go rough and don't go as planned, Charlotte Mason says, let the mother go out to play if only she would have the courage to let everything go when life becomes too tense and take a day or half a day with a book or out in the field or in bed without the children, life would go on far more pleasantly for mother and child. I love that. And I I just love that because like we have days that don't go as planned. And when that happens, have the courage to go out and play Yes, and go read a book or take a walk or scratch the whole day and go on a field trip. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. <laughs> I love yes. that. I love that she uses the word courage because it does take courage to let everything go. Oftentimes when things aren't going the way we want, we feel like we have to push harder and pull up our bootstraps and do more. It takes courage to have faith to go, it's okay if we don't finish the math lesson. It's okay if we don't do this thing today and to take a break. It takes courage to in faith and trust that it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Agreed. So thank you so much for this talk. How can people get in touch with you or hear more about this topic? 
my husband and I have a podcast called madetowonder.com and we can provide in yep. uh, that website. Yep. And then I'll be giving my habits talk in February of 2024 at the delectable education at home conference. So my habits talk will um, actually be part of their lineup this year or in 2024. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. This has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. It was fun. Ross here. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like this show, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a positive review in iTunes. This really does help people learn about the podcast. And each month I will pick a winner to receive a free gift. Don't forget to check out all the free resources we created for you at thefeastlife.me. Thank you. Thank you.